welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 6th of August and joining me for this edition are Assistant Editor Steve Withers The power of Christ compels you News Editor Mark Hodgkinson One death is the parent of a thousand lives Games Editor Mark Botwright Captain Howdy said no And Audio Reviewer Ed Selly oh, Of course he never went bowling with Goebbels before either, I suppose, Nazi bastard And uh, welcome back to the podcast uh, We're all rested, chilled after our summer holidays and uh, we're ready to get cracking First of all, with a look back to some of the interesting things that the lads have had a look at while I've been away on holiday. And then we're going to have a look at what's coming up in August. Um, So let's get started and let's have a look at some of the TVs that we have tested recently. And Steve's going to tell us all about it. I just reviewed last week, I think it was, the Sony X9005B. I wish to God they'd come up with some different names for their models because it gets very confusing when they keep calling them the same thing each year and just putting a a suffix in. Uh, This is the... The new wedge-shaped Sony Ultra HD 4K TV, as opposed to the X9005 that was last year's model with the big speakers on either side. Yeah, This has got big speakers as well, but it's got a wedge shape just to differentiate slightly. I've got to say, I like the wedge shape. This was the one that, that split opinion. Um, it's yeah, it's very Marmite. It's very yep. Marmite. Either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. I don't think there's going to be much middle ground. Um, I like the wedge, but I don't like the speakers. <laughs> just a bit awkward. Have you got the uh, 85 in right now, Mark? Yeah, that's is not that, Is that wedge? Not that's wedge. not wedge. No, no. It's fairly thick, but it's not wedgy. Yeah, you see, the thing is, I don't mind the wedge so much, wedge so much. although the 65-inch model I had him for review weighed an effing tonne. Um, I mean, it nearly killed me putting it up. Um, it wasn't so much the wedge. <laughs> you I went just for a lie down, didn't you, after handling that? I, I had to, yeah. I was exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Just thought I'd slip that one. It took like an hour to set it up because it was just had to do it in small increments. <laughs> you just couldn't move it. Um, the wedge shape I didn't mind so much. I mean, it's beautifully made. It's very you know very well engineered. Typical Sony, really. Um, you know, the build quality is superb. It looks gorgeous, and um, the finish is fantastic. It's got the the feet that you can either have at the ends or in the middle to reduce the size of the footprint, which is quite a clever idea. It's just you know I'm just thinking anyone buying a 65 inch Ultra HD Ultra HD 4K TV. You know, and spending 3,300 quid, which I've got to say, I think is also a very reasonable price. Are they going to be using the speakers much? Or are they just going to use, you know, use it with an AVR or, you know, a soundbar or some other kind of um, outboard audio solution? So you're kind of paying for something that people aren't necessarily going to use. And it's always doing is making the damn thing even wider. But I had to move everything off the, the surface I usually use to put TVs on. I normally have stuff at the ends, you know, like Blu ray players. I had to move it all across and out of the way because it was so wide. Um, so I can see that being a bit of an issue for some people. But do you think that you're, or we are making the assumption that people buying this are, are going to have an outboard sound solution? Well, I'm, I'm okay. It is an assumption on my part, but you know, if you're spending three and a half grand on a telly, you're more likely to also but, sort but the, out. Some. But the argument would be, if you're spending three and a half grand on a telly, you want it to have bloody good speakers, so they're addressing well, a problem. No, the, other, the alternative argument is give us a choice: bloody good speakers or no speakers at all, and save me three hundred quid. Yeah, so something like what Pioneer used to do. Exactly what Pioneer used to do, yes. Add them on or or not. Give people the option. If they want the speakers, fantastic. Here you go, and there's an extra few hundred quid in it to to add them on. If you don't need speakers, brilliant, and don't bother. But um, in terms of picture quality, which I guess is the most important aspect here, um, I thought it looked really good. I I was very, very impressed with the X9. Um, The the video processing was superb. Uh, When you're watching... uh, Blu-rays, good Blu-rays, uh, you know, you, you'd almost think they were 4K. It was actually superb. Um, the black levels are fantastic for an LCD TV. The local dimming was excellent. Um, you know, it wasn't crushing detail on the blacks. It was. I was watching a couple of films where the photography was quite contrasty, so there were a lot of dark scenes and brightly lit scenes in the same scene. And um, and I thought it looked absolutely stunning. You know, um, it was the first time I've ever really looked at an LCD television and thought, yeah, I could go with that instead of a plasma. <laughs> so that was a big shock for me. The sound quality is absolutely superb as well so while you may not want those speakers they do work and if you want to you can buy a wireless subwoofer to go with it did you get one of those as well mark for the review I've you're got, doing i've got i've got one right now aha and does it sound good <laughs> yeah it does in conjunction with the 8505 uh speakers it, it, it does sound really convincing adds, adds quite a lot um 250 quid might be pushing it a bit you could go you could go out into the soundbar or a, a, a couple of uh, active stereo speakers for that kind of money so maybe it's it's a bit toppy but yeah it does make a difference and of course it's very tidy just a box to the side of the telly and off you go yeah i mean one thing that also i noticed and i'm sure you agree with me on this one mark is out of the box amazingly accurate image yeah um, 
almost had to do nothing to the grayscale to get it in, in per, you know, to, into perfection. And the color accuracy was spot on. So whatever Sony are doing in the factory, they're doing a, a damn good job because these TVs are... So I mean, I've, I actually calibrated another one yesterday, so I can vouch it's not just the review sample I had. This was a straight out of the shop one that I was calibrating for a friend, and it, it was um, spot on. Okay, um, well, I was just going to bring that point because, Mark, your one is a retail... Yeah. Uh, sample and obviously Steve your one came from Sony. Uh, Sony so obviously we can compare that and, and see that it's not a fluke on the on the X9 no it doesn't it appears to be like Steve said they've got the uh, in-factory calibrations pretty damn accurate this year it's obviously a bit easier on a on an LCD than it was a plasma because they're more stable um, but yeah I mean it literally it, it was one click on the white balance controls I really possibly didn't need to make that <laughs> and all delta errors are under two so we're looking absolutely spot on colours Colours tracking excellent, um, all the way up to 100, and then red and green are actually a little bit wide, but it, it doesn't make a great deal of difference with. Um, so it, it's only taken us four years, but finally, manufacturers uh, out of the box presets pretty damn accurate. Yeah, yeah, very I impressive. Mean, yeah, you could sort of moan at Sony and go, "Why don't you put a CMS in?" But in all honesty, doesn't need it. I mean, once you've done the grayscale, it's spot on. So, uh, I'm, yeah, that was impressive. Uh, like I said, uh, I've got. A, I think I said in the review that um, you know, based upon what I've seen to date. This is definitely one of the front runners for TV of the year, uh, in okay. my opinion. Uh, did we look at anything else that was 4K UHD? We did. We did. I looked at the LG UB950, um, which is a, an IPS. Sorry? Bit meh, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. That's why I was stalling for a second. I was thinking what I was going to say. Um, no, yes, it's, it's aspects of it are good. Um, you know, done, it's, it's nicely designed TV, it's a well made TV. It's got good onboard sound without resorting to massive loads of speakers and making it hugely wide, which I thought wasn't quite impressive. It obviously has got WebOS, which is very impressive. Um, the only problem is that it's using an IPS panel, so the blacks on it were really ropey, and local dimming wasn't helping much, unfortunately. Uh, the processing was good. The image was good. The accuracy of the image uh, in terms of uh, after... Well, actually, no. The out-of-the-box accuracy was very good. The calibration, which is just as well, because the calibration controls still aren't working properly on the LGs. Um, they've been some firmware updates, so but I just couldn't get them to do much at all. They just, I move, I'd move a control loads, and nothing would actually change. So um, that was a bit disappointing. It, it was a bit more. It was there were aspects of it that were good, but other aspects where they could just better. And the thing is, it's the same things every year at the moment with LG, specifically backlight uniformity, or more point, more to the point, banding when 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 the camera pans. And um, and also the local dimming. Those are the two areas that we constantly keep seeing LG yeah, falling well, down on. It's no good complaining about the IPS panel because that's the only thing LG display make, and they're not going to buy in. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going to worry about that. But they could at least, yeah, they need to address. If they're going to do that. That's fine because you obviously get the wider viewing angles, which is good for a lot of people. But I've seen IPS panels. Well, for example, their smaller screen sizes were much, much better. The, the smaller TVs, these were only full HD, granted, but I did a couple of their smaller screen size TVs, and I thought they were look really good. And local dimming worked much better on that small screen, but on the bigger screen sizes, they really struggle, I think. And the ones that I've seen to, to date, you know, you've, you've got these sort of columns of light, <laughs> you know, from the local dimming. And I think partly it's because they put their LEDs at the top and bottom of the screen rather than the left and right, like some manufacturers do. That might be one of the reasons why it's more noticeable on their TVs than other people's. Yeah, well, it's their nanotech, isn't it? And it's yeah, it doesn't work. I think we, I think, <laughs> we've, I think we've been saying for about three, three or four years now. We've been saying take the lights further back from the yeah, just take them back just a little bit further. Well, it was a bit deep, yeah, deeper, wasn't it? Is yeah, because a couple of years ago they were putting them right behind the panel, weren't they? And you could you could actually yeah. see the individual LEDs and in that in those ones. They've made them a bit deeper. It's a bit deeper this year, but it's still too close. Um, which is a shame because I think if you could get uh, the LEDs at a, a decent distance behind the panel and, and filter it in a way that you couldn't really see them and you, and you can minimise the banding and with good, good local dimming, you, I, I think you know, a full array backlight can work really well, even on an IPS panel. I mean, all we can hope is that LG are good, true to their word and start moving out. Um, OLED TVs it's, at decent prices. So. It's, it's not as if LG don't listen as well, which, which which is strange because we I think annually we have a meeting with their engineers at least once a year. Um, funnily enough, we haven't had one this year so far, but then everybody's a bit late at releasing their their TV models this year. Normally we, oh, what are we August? We'd have finished by now. We would have had yeah. all all the TVs from all the manufacturers, the main uh, models anyway, all reviewed. Um, bit late this year. Everybody's been a bit late this year, so we still have that meeting. But they do listen, so hopefully uh, LG will take on board 
um, some of the criticisms there and, and maybe perhaps solve the backlight issue. So we're going to wrap up TVs with 1080p TVs of note. Uh, we've had some Panasonic saying, let's go to Mark first with the ones that he's looked at. Right, yeah, I've had um, uh, a nasty little Panasonic in, uh, A400. If anyone's listening to that, I'd avoid that like the plague. It's got, I had one of the worst pictures I've seen in, in many a year. Dark oh, yeah, I could just um, back up Mark on this one because I got the 50 inch last week and it was uh, <laughs> dreadful. Bloody awful television. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're Sorry, not, Panasonic, but really, you should be illegal to sell that kind I, of thing. I think you two should stop sitting on the fence. I really do. Because <laughs> well, no, I've seen other thing. stuff that's been great from Panny, but that one was a shocker. Yeah, that was a, that was a shocker. Tosh L74, which is probably the best TV they've they've managed in uh, in a number of years. Um, yeah, decent colours, decent blacks, decent picture processing for Toshiba. Good value tele, good uniformity, direct backlight. Um, that was that was all right uh, for a Tosh. What else have I seen? Did you do, didn't you do another panny? Just the one. Oh, yeah, S6, yeah, the AS650. Uh, so we've yeah. done the AS640, which was a uh, Curry's PC World special. And this is obviously uh, a, a, a more general uh, availability on this one. Um, pretty unspectacular, if I'm honest. It wasn't awful. Um, just just a bit of a run-of-the-mill IPS, mediocre blacks, but is good colours. it colors. 3D or 2D? Uh, it was 3D. I did the I did the six hundred, which I think is identical to the one you did, Mark. Except it doesn't have three D. That's the only difference. Right? Yeah, it was three uh, D. It, was, it, was, it was quite a nice TV. Yeah, it was a good solid uh, TV. Um, but you, you know, it's like anything with Panasonic. You kind of expect more from them, and um, this year's yeah. been a bit of a disappointment because we're getting solid TVs. They're okay. You know, they're fine. They're perfectly acceptable. Um, but that's not something we normally say about Panasonic, is it? Last year would have been a very different story. So yeah, but then um, last year it was it was plasma. I calibrated a ZT65 yesterday, and you know what? Oh, I was just sitting there in tears. Stop <laughs> feeling sorry for yourself. Right. Okay. Well, this brings us neatly on to an Ask the Idiots question, which has just literally come in. So I'm going to use it because it is relevant to what we've been talking about, or what you've just been talking about, Steve, uh, which is the death of plasma. Uh, so GP Man says. I'm thinking about a projector from an X-Buy now that plasmas are extinct. Is DLP best for black level? No. In my experience, <laughs> that was pretty succinct. that's the answer to the question. But uh, if you want me to elaborate a bit, um, currently, and this depends, depends on what your price point is, obviously, if you can afford a JVC projector, that'll have the black level. So DILA ultimately delivers the best blacks in a projector currently. Um followed by SXRD, which is Sony Technology. So you're looking at maybe, if you're on a budget, the HW40, which is £1,800. It's got pretty good black levels. Um, DLP, that's not a strong point, uh, black levels. They tend to I be guess, very mediocre. I guess it depends on the environment as well, because a DLP and uh, a Sony and a JVC, they're all going to look the same in a brightly lit room. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not going to get the advantages of the black level. So, But if you've got a brightly lit room, um, you're not going to get, Excellent. It's not going to be such an issue, is it? It's not going to um, be an issue. Then it's going to be about more about brightness of the projector, and then DLPs are great because they tend to be very bright projectors, as do LCD projectors as well. Neither of those technologies are great in terms of blur levels, but they can produce a very bright image. So if you're using it in a, in a room with a lot of ambient light, that can be important. Yeah, you could. I wouldn't buy a JVC to put in a room with white walls. You're just wasting <laughs> your money. You're yeah, not going to get the full performance totally. of that projector. Yeah, totally. Because um, they're not the brightest out there either. As, as no. is, the Sonys are not the brightest out there either as well. So they really need a, a well-designed or a nicely designed room where you can blacken it out quite a bit. Uh, if you can't do that, like Steve says, LCD uh, or DLP. But DLP are not the best for blacks. But they do have advantages, especially 3D, Steve. Yeah, the 3D on, on DLPs is fantastic. No crosstalk whatsoever. The motion handling is extremely good with DLP as well. Superior to both, both SXRD, LCD and... Um, DILA, all of which basically share same technology. Um, one of the things you could do, perhaps, if you are looking at looking, if, you, if black levels are important to you, you could look at possibly buying a um, negative gain screen, or maybe a grey screen, something like that. That would help. That would help to a degree. But um, ultimately, it comes down to what your main what your main criteria are. If you want brightness, you want good motion handling, maybe watch a lot of sport. And you're going to watch it on your big screen. Then a DLP could be good for that as well. Um, if you're big film fan and you want lots of blacks and you're going to build yourself a home cinema with darkened walls and that sort of stuff, then I would definitely consider looking at, if you can still find an X35, um, get an X35, but I think they've stopped making them there. Yeah, I think, I think they went last month. So X35 yeah. or the HW40. I've got, I've got to say, HW40, what a bargain. Um, yeah, no, outrageous pricing. 1,800 quid is ridiculous. Yeah, 
Cool. Okay, so, and we're coming up for the big projector announcements which come towards the end of the year. Christ, this year is just flying by. Um, so we're in August now, so expect announcements end of September, Cedia time, which is second week in September, I think, this year. I'd have to double-check that, but I'm assuming that that is. It's always the week after IFA. Um, so we should get more projector announcements soon. And Steve, you just done one which was an exclusive for us from Optoma. Yes, Optoma, they, they announced it on, on Friday. They publicly announced it on Friday. We actually had it last week in for review. That was very nice and very kind of them. Uh, and review went up today, um, the day of recording, which is the Monday. And it's the HD50. And this is uh, interesting because they've um, they've been a bit quiet of late October, but they've come back, you know, and they've really targeted the home cinema market. Um, so this projector is aimed squarely at the home cinema fan, uh, rather than saying being a projector is kind of trying to be a jack of all trades. And, and it was very good. It was... Um, it's DLP, so as we've just mentioned, it has some of the weaknesses of that particular technology, so the blacks aren't great, shadow detail could be a little bit better, but by the same token, the motion handling is great, the 3D is fantastic, although I must admit that I find Optoma's glasses, it doesn't come with any glasses by the way, so Bloody you're free awful. to go and buy other makes if you want to, but the, if you do buy Optoma's glasses and they come in a package with you know, two glasses and a little, little RF emitter, um, they're very dark lenses and they do yeah, tend to kind of rob it. Terrible they, glasses. They Don't rob it of some of its impact, which is a shame. Um, but the uh, image accuracy was very good, uh, particularly after calibration. Um, good to see a, a manufacturer talking about Rec 709 and, and pushing that as, as being important. Uh, overall, it was you know, it was a good projector, a nice solid projector. It's it's a thousand, just under a thousand pounds, so nice pricing too. Um, you know, in that sort of grand to two grand price range at the moment, my my choice would be uh, the Sony HW40 you just mentioned, Phil. But if you're tight on budget and you're looking for a projector and you're wanting a big screen action at home, then certainly the HD50 should be on your shortlist. Right, that wraps up Vision. Let's quickly go to sound. We haven't heard any moaning from Ed yet. Uh, so, Ed, on you go. <laughs> Great. Okay, well, <laughs> what, you're expecting me to moan? Because actually, I, I've, I've, I've had some quite quite fun products. Oh, you're never going to um, be not positive, all of you? which have come up yet, but... Um, the one that was in the uh, in the actual itinerary for this, so I actually <laughs> remembered what I wrote and stuff. Uh, the Eclipse TDM one, uh, and at board level, it's an AirPlay speaker, but that just undersells it. Um, if you haven't read the review, uh, um, obviously, shamelessly blow my own trumpet. I invite you to do so. Uh, there's a lot of very unusual and some entirely unique engineering that goes into it. And the result is a product which, if you use it within the, the boundaries of how it was designed to be used, honestly speaking, it is the best piece of desktop audio I have ever tested. Um, and it just does things, if you, if you sort of sit in its comfort zone, it does things that I have not heard another self-contained piece of audio equipment at vaguely sensible money do. And... Not only does it do that, it looks cool. It's got lots of clever features. Um, if you spend your life sat in front of a computer and you listen to audio in, in near field, just just listen to it and then you'll find a way to, to get the money together for it. It genuinely was one of the most joyous things I, I've tested in a while. Um, I would also like to extend my thanks to Eclipse to getting to me, it to me at, at virtually no notice um, because I've been making great play in previous podcasts that I was supposed to be testing a Focal soundbar, I'd like to take this opportunity at the same point to apologise to Focal because I wandered out with my son to the supermarket, um, came back to find that um, some work is being done on the upstairs of my house and the Focal soundbar was buried behind an extracted bathtub. So I've been utterly unable <laughs> to get anywhere near that. Um, I have now actually got it out from behind the bathroom. It is now running. So the review for that, it will, will be forthcoming. But I'd like to apologise profusely. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's coming. Be patient. I'm sorry. And thank you to Eclipse for bailing now, me out of a, a I, hole of my own making. I have heard some cracking excuses, Ed. But that, <laughs> It's not even excuses. I just, just left, went off to buy some food, came back, went up to my <laughs> listing room, and there was a bloody bath in it. No, but otherwise, no. um, a pair of the latest, well, actually the first Furitech earphones, the review for that is up um and in the next uh, obviously schedule totally dependent on my learned colleagues on the on the podcast you will see um Ed, when we're desperate to put a review up we'll love it when you're well got you've got two in, <laughs> two in the pipe and there's uh, a very very interesting little bluetooth device uh very cool um 
and uh, a pair of noise cancelling headphones for properly sensible money. Um, if you were in the market for such a thing, I, I urge you to hold fire on that because uh, they were a bit bit of a surprise, it must be said. And um, unusually for me, as I say, I've got the Focal soundbar in and running. And I'm listening, I'm using the other review, one of the other review products this month to actually listen to and monitor this podcast at the same time. So um, I'm not saying I'm turning over a new leaf. I'll probably still deliver it on the 28th, but things are going all right at the moment. So yeah, go me. Okay. An interesting little speaker package from Q Acoustics, uh, Mark, that you had a look at. They looked really quite interesting. What, tell us more about them. Yeah, the BT3. So it was a, a little active pair, part of their uh, lifestyle audio range, if you like. Um, priced at £350, you're going up against many a soundbar, if you like, here. Um, and, and it outperforms virtually any in, the, in that price bracket, as probably will not surprise anyone on this podcast. Um, it gives you a proper stereo sound field, good connectivity options, it's got Aptex Bluetooth, a couple of opticals, two stereo line-ins. Uh, yeah, just performed really, really well. Um, I stuck them either side of the telly, I had them on my desktop, I had them in the bedroom for a while, versatile little thing. Um, great value at 350 quid, yeah, another good Q Acoustics product. And they come in a choice of colours, so they come, you come in a red and a white and a black, so you can match them to your environment. Okay, good stuff. Who did the Paradigm? I did the Paradigm. Okay, tell us about that then. Paradigm, now this is a beast of a thing. Um, <laughs> An absolute monster of a soundbar. So um, I do a lot of soundbars. This is very unlike any any of them generally. Uh, I think the last one that got close was a Paradigm. This thing will cost you £1,300, um, which is a, an awful lot of money in the soundbar market. Uh, it doesn't feature a subwoofer, but then it does have uh, four four-and-a-half-inch drivers for the uh, mid and bass duties and three one-inch tweeters, which, which are excellent little things. Uh, and it and the, all the uh, drivers are isolated, have their own uh, independent amplification, and it puts out quite a noise, I have to say. Uh, sounds stunning after after a bit of running. Um, stunning with music, stunning with movies, great for TV, good at low, uh, low volumes, so good at night. Um, you can add a sub if you like. Um, it comes with a, uh, a special wireless subwoofer uh, receiver. Uh, unit that you plug into your sub and sync with the bar so if you do fancy uh, a little bit more in the low end you can always add that um, pff, biggest caveat possibly is it's you're going to need 15 centimeters between if you if you're not wall mounting and you're sticking it on your cabinet or your uh, or your unit um, you're going to need 15 centimeters clearance between the bottom of your base stand of your tv and the screen now typically um, a TV that in 2014 you might get seven and a half, eight centimetres so you're going to be blotting out a load of the bottom of the screen unless you take some special measures by uh, by raising it up somehow. I mean I, I had to wait until uh, I could drag my old TV out which had a base stand that could fit on top of a Blu-ray player that I could then put the soundbar in front of so I could actually watch TV and listen at the same time. Do you have an Ikea near you? Uh, relatively. There's a very stout plastic box. I'll find the name of it somewhere. Um, my my GT60 lives on a on this on this eleven pound plastic box. Ah, uh, that's what I need. Um, I need some kind of plinth or a razor. Yeah, these products. I'll find. Uh, as I say, it's a, it's a bit of a, a brutalist solution, but it works. Yeah, that um, that will do nicely. But I couldn't I couldn't literally couldn't do it with um, some of the TVs I had because I got these long stands, so they're just not going to fit on top of a of a, a normal piece of AV. <laughs> box as it, it must were. be said we are in a design phase where everyone is going out of their way to not work with anybody else's stuff yeah, that's very true actually yeah in an, in an aesthetic and design principle so um uh just a message to any any of our manufacturing friends listening to this stop it we're not going all in a couple of people will most people won't don't aggravate your customer base by making it absolutely bloody impossible to mix and match equipment it doesn't win you any friends I just say a very fair point a very fair point and this thing doesn't have hdmi inputs or, or an output in fact so i mean it's, a, it's definitely a flagship product i mean i, I don't miss it personally but some some will think that's, that's it's uh, a 1300 pound soundbar but yeah. it hasn't got any hdmi inputs no no hdmi inputs mm, seems a bit okay yeah. mm -hmm. well that's probably a debate for another time but often that's more <laughs> that's that's more trouble than it's worth yeah. hdmi CSC or arc because oh. you can have Okay, we need to wrap up uh, on the hardware side of things. So uh, the last speakers to look at were the Silver 8s from One at Audio. Uh, Steve looked at these. 
I did. Um, I believe, uh, Ed, you looked at the silver. I looked six. at the whole package, yes. Yeah, but they had, did they have floor stands in the, the it silver. It did, six yes, stuff, the six. Which are what, two and a half way configuration, aren't they? And yeah, an absolutely the, classic monitor audio thing and and it's more unusual the art the eight it's more recent that they've been doing more more drivers in that regard so i I read your review with some interest and i did read it and 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 stuff it's a change Uh, (laughs) well i love them they they, they sounded great there's a three-way design um they're beautifully made um they've gone for a kind of um seamless look to that there's no obvious screws or anything like that and the uh grills are you know attached by magnets um, had the white lacquered finish, which I've got to say was also very attractive. The lacquer finish. See, Big, I can't, um, can't get excited about white speakers. They, they do a very. Well, no, nice I don't like white. I wouldn't. I'd never pick white speakers. I'd, I'd have gone for black lacquered speakers personally. But uh, it was a beautiful finish. No question about it. There's a lot of lovely, loving care gone to these speakers. Nice big plinth at the bottom. Adjustable spikes if you want to use those. Um, four speaker terminals at the back, right at the bottom. Oh no! Hang on a two. second. You got the. You had the silver. I'm trying to wonder yeah. if I had the... I can't remember if I did... Did I do a silver pack or did I do a bronze Yeah, you did pack? a silver six. You did the silver six. Oh, okay. Yes, you're right. I did. I, I get yeah. confused these days. Because um, they've started using ribbons, and that confuses me as well. No, no so. ribbon in this one. No. No, no, you're right. Uh, gold dome tweeter, actually. Uh, but it sounded... Yeah, they, they sounded lovely. They were a nice open sound, um, warm, plenty of detail, clarity, all things you want from a speaker, really. Um I was mightily impressed. And we don't often get big floor stands in review, which is probably just as well, really, because they are a bit on the heavy side. But uh, but it was I was thoroughly enjoyable listening to those while they were in, while they were in review. It was great. Can I ask a question which I don't think was in your review because it mm. wound me up? The latest monitor audio styling thing, the badge around the tweeter surround is offset. And I oh, don't yeah. regard myself as being someone afflicted by obsessive compulsive disorder, but it just... It's not right. It should be censored. <laughs> it's asymmetrical and it's wrong. And it's not only is it asymmetrical, it's not matched on the other side by it being symmetrically offset to the other way. And it's just, it, 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 it infuriated me unnaturally. Uh, I, and I couldn't easily explain to you why, because most of these things don't, you know, asymmetric products haven't, haven't got to me in the past. But the rest of the speaker is so perfectly symmetrical to then whack the brand uh, what at 11 o'clock it's a jaunty well, angle <laughs> it just oh it's just really weird and and somewhat unsettling and i'll i'm going off you, to scrub you could my hands until they bleed the, uh, over it <laughs> uh i could and uh, actually as as my son gets ever more mobile grills are big <laughs> grills are looking increasingly good um but yeah yeah it just sorry it was really weird it got it got to me on the package so you i didn't notice until you just pointed it out i'm looking at the photograph i took now and i can say oh yeah it is isn't it no are, are you sure that's the badge and not just steve's photography skills no 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 no, no. It, it no is it, it mr is. withers is is, is, is mr withers is, 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 no, hey i'm not going to criticize him on photography skills. it's no certainly no different to my my own ham-fisted efforts but no the badge is is off is offset um, and it's really weird, and I, I don't know. It, it, it just, just tweaked at my hitherto unknown levels of obsession. When, when Ed refers to the badge, what he means is it, it, they've written monitor audio along the edge of the tweeter, but it's like at the 11, 10, 11 o'clock position. Instead of the 12 o'clock, right, okay. Yeah, yes, okay. exactly. How sad. Right, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I thought I had obsessive impulsive <laughs> disorder, but apparently I'm nowhere near as bad as Ed. <laughs> yeah, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to turn my lights on and off to 72 times. I'll be back in a moment. Hopefully close the door. <laughs> Can't Six sleep, times. clowns will eat me. So we move on to games news, and uh, we haven't heard these uh, dulcet tones yet, but Mark is here, and... EA Access subscription service. So, Mark, tell us about this and tell us about the coverage on the site. Yep, uh, well, James has popped up an article about this, uh, giving his own particular opinion about it. Um, Basically, EA have launched this subscription service. Well, it's currently in a a closed beta and no set launch date yet, just the vague summer, um, which can cover a lot of ground. Um, What they're going to do, uh, $3.99 a month or £19.99 a year, and that will offer you access to a vault of uh, EA games. Currently, it looks like it will be Battlefield 4 and and the various um, EA sports titles, FIFA 14, NFL 2025 and Peckle 2, with the promise that there will be more to be added, as well as things like 10% off uh, most EA games and downloadable content and... Uh, the prospect in the future of five days early access to new games. So the big one will be Dragon Age, Inquisition, and various, obviously, the the latest sports offerings. Um, 
it's interesting in the, in the fact that it's exclusive to the Xbox One, um, and it's slowly come out that, in fact, Sony declined the service because they deemed it as not good value. Um, there seems to be... <laughs> oh, that's cutting, isn't it? Yeah, from that. <laughs> well, it is. Um, it, it seems very much like uh, Sony are kind of still wearing the the kind of white hat. White of, hat. <laughs> yeah, we saved games with the PlayStation Four. Um, yeah, obviously, it, you know, if you were if you were cynical, you would say that you know they've got PlayStation Plus subscriptions up more than two hundred percent since the PlayStation Four launch. The fact that some people looked at the cost of renting with um, the game streaming service of um, PlayStation Now. And so now they're looking into uh, whether they can add a subscription charge to that as well, which, you know, again, even more cynical people would say will make the rental charge prohibitive and people will, in fact, want to pay for a subscription. Uh, it, but it, it's it's interesting in that it it kind of speaks of the fragmentation of content that we we've seen with kind of you know streaming boxes for you know TV shows and the like, um, and in a, in a way you can see where Sony are coming from with not wanting someone to the casual market buy a new box and then suddenly find there are three different services that you need to sign up to to get just access to the games that you want. Um, you know, some people are obviously seeing this EA access as great value for money. You know, if you are just interested in getting perhaps last year's versions of the latest games and then, well, if you've just got, say, like me, I, I pick up FIFA once every few years or I can trade in the copy I've got, spend the £20 and then, you know, I've got access to various games that otherwise I wouldn't have. Um, however, things like 10% off, I, just, I don't see exactly how that's incentivizing things because pretty much in the first week of sales, if you shop around, you can always make that yourself. You know, unless it's kind of 25%, 30% off, you know, that you can probably shop around and certainly beat what the downloadable price is. Because if that's 10% off, you know, what they're charging to start with, which will be £55, just wandering into a local, you know, massive branch of a supermarket, you can beat that and then, an, you know, an extra £5 on top probably. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's one of those services that, should we say, as we see exactly how much more will be added, then you'll know where the real value is but for for people just wanting to kind of dip their toe in then for for 20 pounds then it, it probably makes sense if you don't own any of those games already if you know you'll see you're new to gaming or something like that it could be great value i'm guessing a lot of people that will have already played those games and therefore it may not look like such good value well that's the thing is you know who's it for is it is it for you know if you're a bit of a casual then 20 pounds a year you might not want to justify um, if you if you you know if you love buying the latest version of EA games, then really once you've bought once you've got that ten percent off, say the latest version of FIFA, having access to last year's version is well pointless. You know who's going to want that last year's version of all the different games? And they're not going to be keeping them. You know if you end up with four different versions of FIFA in the vault, who's going to the one that's four years old? Yeah, you know, no no yeah. one's going to bother with that. So really, you've got a new game in each of those series every year and you know maybe if, if they do come out with something like um the hd versions of the mass effect trilogy which has been touted for a long time if you know if that came out then yeah obviously that would make sense and that might even drive people towards it um but beyond that i, I shall sit on the fence for now i think and what was uh, james's points in his article uh james's points really um he wondered whether in fact he was going to be getting a lot more for his money Realised that he wasn't, and then basically, <laughs> yeah, um, didn't kind of, do it. <laughs> no, well, I, this is the thing. If for people, I think there are a lot of people out there who will see great value for it. If say they're not already tied into things like the PlayStation Plus um, Instant Game Collection, has offered just such a, a ridiculous amount of value for money that everything else kind of seems a bit stingy. You know, yeah. I mean. Mark, so I can ask a question about that because I've got a PS4 now, and uh, I was thinking of I haven't done the I haven't tried out the three month free trial. Is it a month or months to free trial of of the PlayStation Plus? But what do you actually get as part of PlayStation Plus then? Um, well, you get uh, obviously access to be able to play multiplayer games um, mm -hmm. on the PS4, on on the PS3 and Vita. You don't need um, PlayStation Plus for that, but you get access to the instant game collection which is a series of games that you can download each month um, for, you know, all the, the Sony consoles. And they just seem to be offering, you know, a ridiculous amount, particularly if you if you own kind of several Sony consoles, then it makes a huge amount of sense. I've, I've read, I mean, I've been reading your reviews 
the guy, I think you've done quite a few of them of those instant gains, and they've all sounded like quite fun, especially for free. What's the um, monthly f- um, subscription for uh, PlayStation Plus? PlayStation oh, I Plus. <laughs> I don't know what it is per month, but I, I know per year it's it's. Um, I think it's thirty nine ninety nine. But you know, you, you shop four ninety nine a month. I think it is. Is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it was when I was subscribing. That does sound like quite a good deal, actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, right, so uh, that kind of wraps up the games news, uh, but we have uh, Games Podcast coming up next week. I understand you guys recorded early, or did that fall through? Uh, that fell through, predictably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what? I mean, obviously, you're going to talk about this in a little bit more depth, aren't you? EA Access. Uh, what else do you think is going to be on the agenda then? Um, Destiny Beta. That's been probably one of the kind of big topics um, in the past month. Um, I covered that for the site. There's a little article up there now. Um, there's all, obviously the the open beta for PlayStation Now. We've seen a little bit more of you know pricing structure and that little teaser that they might be implementing a, a subscription service for that. Um, yeah, and just generally what games we've been playing. But it, it is the summer games drought, so... You know, we're scrabbling for content. Well, I mean, talking about uh, the summer drought, uh, we've had our holiday. Uh, did anything of note go up over the holiday period that people might have missed on the front page? Well, everything is pretty much there on the front page. Um, Steve did a good little article about pre-orders. Um, James looked at an interesting title, uh, Gods Will Be Watching, as well, for a first look on Steam. Um, beyond that... Uh, Smaller downloadable titles, you know, like Valiant Hearts and The Swapper I looked at. But, yeah, it's been a fairly slow month, but we are coming up to um, Gamescom and James and Manny should hopefully be in Germany in uh, a fortnight, or August 14th to the 17th. And so hopefully they should have some good stuff for us then. Okay, cool. So uh, that's a Gamescom that's coming up next week. So uh, keep your eyes open for that one. It'll be up soon. Right, let's move on. Uh, we've got movie news coming next. So let's uh, start with movie news and what's at the cinema, Steve? Perhaps I'll just start by saying, uh, mentioning a couple of films that have been out since we did the last podcast, because obviously it's been, July has been a busy month for film releases. There's been um, some quite good movies out over that period and, and an absolute stinker. Um, on the good side, uh, I would strongly recommend, if you haven't seen it yet, you go and see Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I thought that was an excellent movie. Um, really bucked the trend of what I expected, you know, a bit like the one that came before it, um, right, um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which was... Hang on, I'm throwing around, isn't it? It's Rise of the Planet X that came out first, then Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, Rise was a surprise because it was really good and I wasn't expecting that. And then the sequel, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, although the titles should have been the other way around, in my opinion, um, is, is sort of takes place after the events of the first film and the apes have got their own society developing. And they spend a lot of time within ape society um, when they're talking using sign language uh, and the subtitles. Now, it's surprising for a sign blockbuster to be as brave as that. Um, um, if anything, it's sort of it's 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 very ape heavy, and there's less action involving the humans, which is, again surprised me. I think Kansas review he was he wished there'd be more apes and less humans, but I think it's difficult to make a film with no human characters in it. I think people would find difficulty empathising or even um, uh, you know um, getting involved in the plot without there being some human characters in there. But so uh, it's a really just, sorry. Can I just ask what what is the law here? I'm talking L O R E, obviously. You know, not monkey law. Um, <laughs> that ape shall not kill ape. Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah, good point, actually. Uh, <laughs> but but how is it? Um, because I, I didn't see the first one. So basically, how do we come about to the point of? Oh well, in the first the one, just um, just a I, recap. What, 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 the reason the first one worked so well, I think, is because it basically it set up a way of a premise of getting you to the point. Um, well, you, well the, the original Planet of the Apes film, you know, you could you, you can see how you could have led to that because they have um, them trying to develop a, a cure for Alzheimer's, uh, which they're testing on apes, and it causes the apes to increase in intelligence. Uh, and then one ape is born of a mother who's been given this drug, and the ape's called Caesar, and he's very intelligent, and he can even speak. Uh, and he's the one that sort of leads the ape revolt. Um, and at the same time, the virus that they were creating, um, uh, sorry, the drug that they've been creating mutates into a virus, which actually kills most of the human population on the planet, which is where this film starts. So um, Dawn starts with, you know, most people dead, like only, I think, 1% of the population left. Um, and the apes are, you know, are now um, more evolved and more intelligent and, and, and living within in societies of their own and communicating through sign language. Um, and later on in the film, they obviously bottled it a bit because they thought, 
can't do the whole film with subtitles. So then the apes start talking later, which kind of annoyed me a little bit because Caesar was born from a mother with the, who'd been given the drug and therefore you can assume his vocal cords are mutated, whereas apes don't have vocal cords, therefore they could never speak. Um, anyway, that's a minor point. Yeah, but um, weren't they dishing out the drugs willy-nilly? No, they were, he, they, yeah, the end. drugs were making them intelligent, but but I I got the I always got the impression that Caesar was different because he was born from a mother. Yeah, who'd but he might given also communicate, be communicating with other apes that are born from apes that have been given the drug. Well, no, because he's the one that through you know released all the other apes and then set, and gave them the the drug to make them more intelligent. So I'm not sure. Well, certainly in the first film, there's no indication that there's any other ape like Caesar. But I think we're digressing. <laughs> yep. The, the other thing in the first movie was the the launch of the spacecraft. Yes, they briefly mentioned, don't they, in the background? Yeah. Um, and so you could, I mean, theoretically, and Kaz made this point in his, his his article, his review, you could theoretically have the astronauts not necessarily going thousands of years into the future, but returning to Earth within 10 years or 20 years of the events to find, you know, mankind effectively wiped out and the apes in control. So it would set up for a sort of a, a reworked version of the, the original Planet of the Apes movie, but without the aspect of being a spend animation for thousands of years and then returning to Earth. Possible. I, I mean, I, I think that I thought it was a great movie. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I recommend it highly if you, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, in terms of films, I wouldn't recommend you go and see Transformers: um, Age of Extinction uh, was uh, were as bad as you'd expect it to be, given the other ones are all pretty awful. Um, but it's just, it's just reached a point now. It's just made a billion dollars last week, which is just uh, sickening. But it was uh, what really was really depressing about it was how it, how it, it pandered to a Chinese audience. I mean, it was just borderline propaganda at times. And there's a whole sequence. I'm trying to have to say this, but the last third of the film takes place in Hong Kong. Um, oh, and not Hong much, Kong. As much as I enjoyed watching Hong Kong, Hong Kong get smashed to bits by giant robots. I mean, there was <laughs> there were whole sequences in it where you, where it's just um, pure propaganda, which is kind of annoying. Um, it's it's just rubbish. It's absolute cobbler. It doesn't make any lick of sense, and you don't give a monkeys about what who anyone in the film. It's 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 just typical Michael Bay. It's sexist. This whole sequence where they're joking about statutory rape laws, which I thought was pretty unpleasant. Um, it, it was just rubbish. I mean, unfortunately, me telling everyone not to go and see it has made no difference whatsoever. Obviously, because <laughs> the planet has, uh, and and they've already greenlit another one. So let, let's let's let one more bloody awful Transformers film at least coming. Because I mean, as long as they keep making a billion dollars, they'll keep churning them out. Right, I think um, I think you need to get on to what people should be going to see this week. I went to go and see this weekend uh, is Guardians of the Galaxy, which I have been looking forward to uh, for some time now uh, since I saw the first trailer. I knew nothing about this, by the way. I don't. I'm not a big comic reader. I don't know much about the Marvels apart from Spider Man. Basically, I, know, I knew Spider Man was. I didn't even know who the X Men were until I made those films. Um, I really wasn't familiar with. Um, I knew about the Hulk, I suppose, and Thor. I've read a bit of Thor in the past, um, but Iron Man was relatively new to me. So the Guardians of the Galaxy, I've never heard of them. Um, but I saw the trailer, the first tea trailer. I thought this looked really good fun, uh, and it is. It is really, really good fun. It's 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 well written. It's very witty. The cast is likable. Um, the characters are nice and fun, and, and, the, and the villains good. Um, the, the effects are superb. It, it's kind of a bit like Star Wars would have been, you know, forty years ago. It was. It was just a really enjoyable romp. And sometimes that's all you want to do at the cinema, just sit back and be entertained, and it does thoroughly. And uh, it's got a really funny and really surprising cameo right at the very end of the film. I'm not going to say any more than that, but stay through the end credits to the very end because it is quite quite good. Um, yeah, James Gunn directed it and co-wrote it as well. I've got a sneaky suspicion because I believe Joss Whedon is kind of overlord now of the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, and he may have had a hand in it too because he's got a few moments in it very Whedon-esque um, Chris Pratt leads up, plays a guy called Peter Quill who's a human he likes to call himself Star-Lord but nobody else does um, and he, he's the main character but there's also the rest of the Guardians there's, one is an animated um, a raccoon uh, who can speak voiced by Bradley Cooper that is really good there's a, a sort of a tree a, you know, a humanoid tree called Groot who only ever says I am Groot uh, voiced by Vin Diesel. There's um, Dave Batista, who plays this um, Dax the Destroyer, who comes from a planet where they, people take what you say literally. So there's lots of really good jokes about him mis 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 you know, misunderstanding what people are saying all the time. And there's also um, uh, Zoe Saldana, who plays... Who does she play? I remember that character's name now. Um, Gamora, that's it, Gamora. And, and those, those are the five Guardians of the Galaxy. Um and there's also Karen Gillan in it from Doctor Who, who plays one of the villains, and she's very good in it too, actually. And yeah, it was just really good fun. Really, really enjoyed it, um, and I'd recommend it highly to anyone who hasn't seen it yet. 
Although it did very well over the weekend, both here and in the US, which is good news. I'd rather sick people saw this than um, than something like Transformers. I think Marvel has been doing a fantastic job with their uh, movies over the last um, sort of, what, since making, 2008. Making Disney lots of money. Making Disney an obscene amount of money, yes. Um, and it's all set up now for next May when Avengers Age of Ultron opens. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to see what Joss Whedon does next. Okay, uh, let's move on to Blu-rays that were released while we were away on our holidays. Now, Noah, Need for Speed, The Lego Movie, Rear 2, Labor Day and The Double. I actually watched Noah, Need for Speed and The Lego Movie on the plane. And I bet you're going to say Lego Movie. <laughs> <laughs> by miles. <laughs> by absolute miles. Need for Speed, completely ruined by the lack of respect shown to other human beings. Um it's yeah. okay to drive at 150 miles an hour on public roads. Because of that concept of it, I, I know they were trying for, to go for the, like the smoking the bandit type type feeling, but it just it didn't work for me. And the fact that it, they weren't very nice characters, no, to be I honest. Agree. Um, I mean, the, the stunts are amazing, yeah. but you don't like the people in it, and you're just thinking that is so incredibly dangerous. I don't want to sound like an old man here, but, you know, he, he, how long, what does he get, like four years in prison? But look, so he'd have got like 50 years, wouldn't he, for the amount of damage, destruction, and, you know, nearly killing so many people on the way across the States. It was just ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it, you know, Smoking the Bandit was good fun. This, yeah, it was a comedy. It, it was, <laughs> yeah, well, this was trying to feed on that, but trying to, you know, up the ante and make it look incredibly dangerous and all that. And, and in the end, it just looked like stupid, reckless, and they ended up all being in prison, basically. Um, so, and, and good, so they should be. <laughs> Uh, and very, very shallow movie in terms of character development and so on. Uh, Noah uh, absolutely hated it. <laughs> Just it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was absolute tosh. And not because it's based on religious writings and all the rest of it. It was just tosh. Absolutely. It was really boring, wasn't it? And it was such a miserable place. Oh, that, and, and what's her face? They want to go to Iceland in a hurry. <laughs> what's her face? Emma Watson just cannot act. Oh, she she cannot toffee, act. She? Um, so no, and I, I kept expecting to get a bet three six five roundup at some point as well. Um, <laughs> no. Oh yeah, Ray Winston. Yeah, <laughs> he is really turning into a one trick pony, isn't he? Just like Ray, give it up, mate. I mean, you were great when you played Carlin back in in Scum in seventy nine or whatever it was. I, I, I can but see, just... I can see what they, what what they were trying to do with that, and you know. It, it, it takes a lot to make an epic movie nowadays, um, and it, it takes a lot to get an audience for epic movies. I mean, if you think back to like Sir Ben Har and Cleopatra and all that kind of thing, you know, the big uh, epic movie. I could see what they were trying to do with it, but Lego, mo- Lego movie is awesome. Too. Everything's awesome. The Lego movie is. I mean, seriously, if you haven't seen Lego movie yet, uh, I highly recommend you buy it. Uh, other one I saw, really which is funny. not on the list here, um, but I would recommend was Saving Miss Mr. Banks. Um, I wasn't expecting the movie that I got, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, clearly you didn't listen to my review then. No, I never listened <laughs> to your review. We never listened to you with us. <laughs> I said it was it, a great I, film. I, I've been thoroughly enjoying looking at all sorts of used cars whilst you've been doing this. Uh, I, I, it's been very rewarding, <laughs> but I haven't actually been listening to you. Sorry. <laughs> at least you're honest. It's like going in 3D in the UK, uh, Steve. Has it got, is there a 3D Blu-ray? Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Well, actually, yeah. no, so I, bought I thought you got state. the US import. Yeah, I did get the US import, you're right. Um, just checking it is in the UK before we go out. I'm pretty sure it's available 3D in the UK as well, cool. yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, Rio 2 I, I actually arrived today for me. I haven't seen it yet. But, Don't bother uh, with that, mate. It's rubbish. Is it rubbish? Because I liked Rio. I thought that was all right. Yeah, Rio was good, but we went to the cinema with the kids to see this, and they were even they were bored. Oh, yeah, that's no, not, that's bored. not a good sign. I'm, I'm going to the cinema next week. Are you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Got it all plumbed in with childcare and everything. Uh, it's well, it's the third Expendables film. I've seen the other two, so in for a penny, in for oh, a pound. Just me oh, thinking you were going to go and see something good there. No, no, just no, a record, by the way. I have not yet gone to see Hercules starring The Rock. So, oh, it's getting panned something rotten. Yeah, you must have blue balls. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it looked it, rubbish in the trailer. Are, I are you just waiting until the cinemas are empty before you go in your long mark? <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get it on Blu-ray for online. Do I like and privacy in my own home? <laughs> <laughs> um, I also got the double. That arrived today. That's Richard Adderway's second film after he did Submarine a few years ago, which I really enjoyed. Trailer for this looks very interesting. I might watch this off with the podcast, actually, because it does look like an interesting movie. Jesse Eisenberg and Mia Wasikowski. Um uh, where a guy gets you know, haunted by his double, effectively. But um, uh, um, that one looked interesting. I haven't seen it yet. It was yet. really was... weird, just as an aside for that. Whilst I was on holidays, driving back from Lake Windermere to the... To the haunted by yourself, thing. were you, Ed? 
I wasn't. But there was a Radio 4 programme talking about the double with Richard Ayoade being interviewed. And it was entirely surreal because obviously he was talking about his film and he was being entirely serious for <laughs> 25 minutes. And it's one of those things where you're just waiting for him to just say something deeply surreal or, you know, just, you know, lapse into one of his characters or whatever. Because his delivery is deadpan. And yes, you, and, but such a distinctive voice as well. Um, and you, you forget how face-meltingly clever he actually is as well. But it was, uh, he was talking about um, the mechanics of, whilst, you know, there's, there's a school of thought that says that you, you have a completely different actor and you simply CGI that the other person's face onto it. He was saying that you just don't get the commonality of physicality. And that's a direct quote from him as well as sounding hella cool. You just don't get it. So you, you, you were saying you go back to the old techniques of, of jump cutting and, and overlaying and, and, and the like. And um, yeah, it was it was a, a genuinely interesting, interesting interview. And I, I almost feel compelled to watch it as well. I say almost. We'll see what happens. If it turns up on 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 Sky Arts, it's going to move to someone else. I'll see if, it, see if it's there. Well, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch be... it, Ed. And let you know what I think. You'll obviously ignore me. But... Yeah, I will. I mean, <laughs> we're too busy looking at I'm looking at Auto Trader at the time. All bets are off. But yeah, we'll see how we go. Well, I mean, like I said, he did Submarine, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. I couldn't believe the guy from, from the IT crowd had directed that. So um, my hopes are relatively high on this one. Uh, and the other film's coming out this week is Labor Day. I think um, Kaz is currently doing the review for that. I uh, didn't get to see it at the cinema. It was a bit of one of those sort of soppy romantic dramas that didn't really appeal. No, no, no. I need to correct that. It's not very soppy at all. And um, Milton Keynes' cinema made the <laughs> slightly um, poor... Uh, judgment call of showing it as their cine babies presentation <laughs> which considering it features um uh abortion stillbirth and a baby drowning was not the best decision that they've ever made they had to close their twitter account for a week it just degenerated into a just just a, a just a, a wall of abuse it's like what were you thinking did your wife go and see it Yes, <laughs> with my son. Oh, we need to we need to hire their PR department. Uh, it was it was oh, not the best dear. decision they've ever made. It must be said. Okay. Well, as I said, I hadn't seen it, uh, and now I'm glad I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's not a laugh a minute. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> no, if I, I that what a wide berth. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So uh, let's quickly move on and uh, look at what's coming up next week, uh, Steve, in terms of Blu-rays. Yeah, Raid 2. Raid David. 2 out next week. Uh, again, Casablanca on the review for that right now. I have not seen it yet. I've got a disc. I've had it for a few weeks. Actually. I haven't got around to seeing it. I haven't had time, unfortunately. But I did thoroughly enjoy the Raid, um, which if anyone hasn't seen, is worth checking out. It's basically got the same plot as Dread, where a bunch of cops have to fight their way up a building full of drug dealers and, and villains. Um, very exciting. Amazing fight sequences in it. Um, this is uh, uh, um, the, uh, got the same lead actor in it, but it's on a much broader scale. I mean, now it's you know across the whole city, and uh, it's kind of a crime epic. Um, it looks the stuff I've seen in the trailers and the scenes that I have seen. It looks superb. I'm quite looking forward to watching that at some point, maybe tomorrow night. Uh, Divergent, uh, don't bother with it. It's cobblers. Um, basically, it's just somebody who we watched the Hunger Games and then thought, actually, if you want to have a laugh, go to Honest Trailers. Uh, screenjunkies.co.com check out the honest trailer for diversion it's bang on the money it's really really funny in fact all the honest trailers are really funny i can't recommend them high enough i know you saw a couple didn't you feel the uh, yeah i've got to say the lion king is probably the the, the most superb on. spoof i've ever seen yeah and they're, all, they're all really really good that they're, they're honest trailers they're called i'm just going to youtube put in honest trailers screen junkies they are so funny and they are spot on sometimes. Not, when they not office friendly, though. I will point. Uh, out. No, no. But uh, they're, they're one for diversion. It hits the nail on the head. Basically, a, a girls watched the Hunger Games, read the Hunger Games, and thought, "Yeah, I can do that too." Got out of thesaurus. Bob's your uncle. There's the story. It's cobblers. <laughs> uh, Calvary. I have not seen, uh, but apparently it is very good, uh, and so I might check that out at some point if I get a chance. Uh, Muppets Most Wanted, I also haven't seen because it looked like it was shit. And um, even though the first Muppets movie, the one they did um, a couple of years ago, was supposed to be quite good with Jason Siegel, this was with Ricky Gervais, and it looked like absolute cobbler. So. It is. 
I've seen that. Uh, as well. well, thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Did the kids hate that one too? Kids hated that one as well. And then they <laughs> weren't so disappointed. They weren't so disappointed by that one, but I was extremely disappointed. The whole premise for the story is that um, Kermit is um, is mixed up with this uh, Russian master criminal frog um, who has a mole. <laughs> And, and 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 then uh, uh, clearly Kermit hasn't got a mole, and no one notices that the whole way through the movie that Kermit's got this mole on. It's absolutely ludicrous, and it lost me within five minutes. But hey, the kids didn't mind it. So if you've got kids, they might they might stomach it. That was the moment that they, they lost you. It. Yeah, the, well, the, well, it lost me before I got there, but someone's got to take them. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was just the whole premise for the story is that. No, it, this this imposter, this Russian uh, master criminal frog. Mark, uh, yeah, you realise Kermit's not real, don't you? Yeah, but are you, if you go, of course I do. Just a hand in a sock. Yeah, well, exactly. But he doesn't have a mole, does he? A great big mole on his chin. <laughs> and he spend he spends time with all these muppets, you know, day in day out, and they don't reckon they haven't spotted it. It's a Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're this, expecting a little bit too much. Yeah, maybe. I think the suspension of disbelief is pretty much assumed with a Muppets movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I challenge you to watch it and not be annoyed. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what looks weird is how they try to do the full frame shots now with the legs in as well. It, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't look right. That's silly. Very silly. Uh, there is right. literally no sum of money lower than four figures that you could compel me to watch that film. Just thinking about it, I was just trying to work out how much would I would I have to be paid, and it's it, it's 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 got to be a grand. Is this an aversion mm. to the film or Muppets in general? I loathe the Muppets. <gasps> I mean, I just oh Muppets no, are I'm funny. sorry. No, Muppets Christmas no, Carol. No, 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 they're not. They're about as funny as Drowning. Let's be very clear about this. It's just it's hey, Drowning can be funny. Let's let's be very clear that this is your opinion. Old sod, you really are. Yeah, yeah. All before his time. I think it's one of those things where other people have said, oh, I think the Muppets are hilarious, because someone else has gone, oh, I think the Muppets are hilarious. It's one of those things where if you actually sat people so, down so now, isolation... So now we all can't think for ourselves, is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, you're all Indoctrinated wrong. by Muppets. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Muppets Treasure Island's quite good as well. Yeah, I enjoy Treasure Island. I, and... I never bothered finishing the book, to be honest, because I saw the end of that. <laughs> yeah, it does it better than the book, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it differs, but that did me. Not much. <laughs> but Mark, is um is Black Sails a sort of prequel to Treasure Island? Yes, that's exactly what it says. Uh, yeah. Set about ten, fifteen years prior. Really is good. there nudity in it? Not as much as you'd want. <laughs> no. no, there's loads. Yeah, there's plenty, yeah. Don't worry. You can uh, get a clean Busty wenches and coming out. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, it's just it's just up your street. It's blood, sex yeah. and violence. Excellent. In costume. But no rock. Uh, no, he would have oh, been good. That's right. There's some really bad acting, so he, he would have fitted right in. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the rocks acting. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm being unkind. Well, that's it then, Phil, for the Blue Rose next week. Thank God for that. Right, um, we are running really quite short in time, but uh, the big, one thing to go. <laughs> the, the big news story. Well, we were going to do the best and worst films of the summer. No, I, but I, I, I kind, kind of did that at I the beginning. I kind of done that. I'd only seen two yeah. films in the summer. <laughs> okay, so we're we're going to skip over that and we're going to go to the original Star Wars trilogy remastered in 4K. This uh, news broke over uh, the last few weeks. Uh, something you picked up on Twitter? Was it Twitter or Facebook that you saw the the post on and and uh, It was on. Um, I'll give it credit where credit's due. It's on the digital the digitalbits.com all right they um, picked up on it first and i read it on that what's his name again is it bill hunt um it's bill hunt yeah bill hunt picked up on it uh, and uh very good site i recommend it highly if you're into um blu-rays he's bill's done some great work over the years championing disc-based entertainment so from our perspective the kind of things we like um and he picked up on uh on a site the the company that had done the uh, a brand new 4k remaster of um or transfer of the original Star Wars trilogy. So that's good news. The big question, of course, is... What's original? Which version? <laughs> yeah. yeah, is it the original original or the original special edition? Well, first of all, to do a, to do a, new, a new 4K master, they had to go back to the camera negative. Right, because the stuff they were doing oh, back would, in, would this be the negative that Mr. Lucas says does yeah, not exist? It doesn't exist, yeah, exactly. You know, there's no other way they could have done it. So um, that alone means that there has to have been something going on here. And I'm pretty sure any effects they did for the special editions, whichever ones you want to pick, the ones from 97, the ones from 2004, whatever, or the ones from two years ago, or whenever it was three years ago with the Blu-ray release, there's no way those effects were done at 4K resolution. So 
you know, you got to start thinking. I, I, I would be very surprised if they didn't at least restore the original films. I'd, I've got to say, on, if, if on thirty-five mil, if Disney want to really cash in on their four billion dollars or whatever it was they paid for Lucasfilm, they would be absolute muppets uh, if they did not release the original Star Wars trilogy on Blu-ray or in 4K. They would be absolute muppets if they didn't do it, because it's a cash cow. People will go and pay I would a lot of money for it. The reason they've done this uh, new uh, 4K master is for a um, re-release next year in the run-up to the release of Star Wars Episode 7 yep, in the December cinema. 2015. During the summer. Yeah, totally. And Absolutely. I'll, I'll I mean, why there. not? I mean, I'll be first in line. Well, you, well you'll be behind me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, and and I also think that Disney, certainly my experience with Disney in terms of restoration and rotate and, and and looking after their back catalogue, they are very very good at it. They 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 they, they offer. I mean, for example, um, quite recently I just watched Beauty and the Beast on Blu-ray. Now on that disc there is the original theatrical release, a special edition version they did where they added an extra song in. Um, and also the work print version that they released um, before the film actually was, came out, um, which actually I think won it Khan or something. I think it did really well. But you know they 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 are very good at giving you you know different versions, but they do still retain the original version of the film and they restore their stuff beautifully uh, and at the highest resolution possible. So I can't imagine they're going to suddenly just let the camera negative to the original Star Wars decay to the point where that, does, that doesn't know, exist. That's just not going to happen. And if it did happen, that would be someone should go to jail. Because that's destroying a piece of history. Well, actually, it is in the American. Um, yeah, exactly. It's all printed Hall of Fame, is it, is it? so that has to exist in its original format to be in yeah. that. So, I, I, I just, you know, I'm mildly hopeful M- we might get something. Okay, I, I'm going to go to our uh, resident film expert. <laughs> um, we're going to ignore you, Steve, for just a minute and go to everybody else that's on this podcast because I don't think they'll love Star Wars as much as me and you. And let's get some honest opinions, uh, Mr. Botray. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I would like it very much if they went back and removed all the gubbins that was added. Um, I, I think there was certainly something missing as soon as they started kind of, I don't know, the, the idea was, was good to try and add in some kind of ambience and that kind of thing, extra activity, but I think it, it, they lost obviously something that was particularly of the period yeah. um, with the kind of desolate backdrops. I preferred that. I prefer my kind of... A bit like with seventies westerns and everything, you know. I prefer there to be, you know, less is more. Yeah, you don't mind the matte painting, painting because you're already wrapped up in the story. You know? exactly. exactly. And also, I I found kind of you you could kind of more believe that places like Tatooine or somewhere were were kind of uh, almost lawless outposts or something. You know, like like last outpost of the Roman Empire or something, just guarded by a couple of stormtroopers. Whereas as soon as they start adding in giant beasts in the background and yeah. kind of a market or something it just feels a bit odd yeah totally totally and and you know picking up on that point as well about adding stuff in have you i forget the guy's name the guy that did he he, he actually did all the special effects redid all the special mm-hmm. effects is it 81 and you know I'm, I'm not for tinkering with things but if lucas was going to do it he should have done it the way that this guy totally. did it because it just looks so good when it's done. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't right. mind them doing this, but if they want to do a special edition or a special special edition or whatever, the ultimate edition, final edition. I don't, I don't care if they do that. They will fine. I'll watch that as well. But just give me the original version as yeah. an option. Just don't, well, don't well, tell me I can't see that too. Well, I mean, it, to me, it just proved that he he hadn't a clue when it came to storytelling because, or he certainly lost his way. He maybe did at the time when he made it, but he certainly lost his way because. The fact that Han shoots first, I know it gets raised all the time, but the fact that he does that in cold blood sets him up as the rascal that he is. It sets yeah, his therefore, whole character up. Exactly. So when he leaves, you think, you don't know. He's, you, you, you know he well, that's back. it. When, when he leaves, you, you think he's just been a bastard and he's gone. He's not coming back. Yeah. So when he does come yeah. back, it, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Mr. Selly. Well, you know, I'd be interested enough to see it. Um, I... I, I don't know. I. It's not actually. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I love the original three films a great deal. I don't actually revisit watching them that often, if I'm honest. Um, I'd, I'd be inclined to have another look. Um, I'm I'm concerned on a cynical and mercenary level that it would affect the value of the laser, <laughs> laser disc trilogy disc edition, yeah. I've got. 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't want them. I don't. I don't want them. You, you, you don't want to rub in that I've I've said umpteen times that that's my biggest regret was ever selling that set. But yeah. I haven't sold mine. Yeah, I know. Just so. keep rub, keep rubbing it in. Well, what can I say? Um, but no, who knows? It's about, it may be rendered. It may be, <laughs> I may be about to turn them into into placemats. But we'll see how we go. But um, yeah, I I you know a respectful treatment of the originals would be would be lovely. I don't have a great I, I don't have a great deal of faith that that they won't resist the temptation to do something completely superfluous and pointless. But you know we'll, we'll see what comes of it. And, like like and, I said, and I, I think if they listen to the community and as Steve points out, Disney do tend to listen to their community of fans. I think I think they will because they know they're going to make a bucket load if they release the original. Mister Hodgkinson, what do you think? Um, I'm a bit like I don't think, despite it being probably the most uh, important movie franchise of my childhood, and I, I watched them dozens of times. I can't remember the last time I watched the Star Wars. No, I film, can't. I can't either. Of the first three, I, I um, think I was so. I think I was so put, put off with the the prequels. The, yeah, I think I'm the same. I don't think I've watched them since my teens. Um, despite it being probably, if someone asked me what my favourite movie of all time was, I would probably say Star Wars, which is a bit strange. It probably isn't my favourite movie. I just think it is. Um, but yeah, I would certainly be interested if they can do a good job of it. I'd wait for reviews. I wait for you guys to spend your money first uh, before I, I put my money down on it. But if if it looks good, then I'm in. I'll, be, I'll definitely be in. It might just the time to revisit now maybe, it, it, maybe wasn't, I'm ready. it wasn't my teens uh, I watched it on Blu-ray but the original trilogy's on Blu-ray and I still love Empire I still watch snippets of that now and again when I've got a bit well, I'm assuming I've got a bit of kit in for a review but that's been <laughs> few and far between <laughs> over the last uh, 12 months or so but never mind um, okay so do we want them in 4K yes we do do we want the original trilogy of course we do I think we yeah. we would pay 60 quid which we yeah. had to pay last well I'll time tell you we... if you want to see obsessive how obsessive Star Wars fans can get somebody very kindly put a link in the thread to that particular piece I did um, a link to uh, a YouTube trailer for the despecialized version of Star Wars and the lengths that this guy has gone to to take the you know the special edition Blu-ray and take it back to the way it was in 1977 is absolutely staggering it's worth watching it just to see the unbelievable levels of obsession that people can go to Right. So that's yeah. Question. Okay. I think that wraps everything up for uh, for this week. Uh, we have gone over time as normal, and uh, we will be back again next week. So don't forget your um, your ask the idiots questions. Uh, get them in on Twitter at AV Forums, and uh, we'll get answering them next week. So all I need to do now is thank Steve Withers. That's much too vulgar a display of power, Karras. Uh, Mark Hodgkinson. The curd stood waiting like an ancient debt. Mark Botwright. Remember that. Do not listen. And Ed Selly. If certain British doctors had never asked, what is this fungus, we wouldn't have penicillin, correct? Don't forget, you can uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for the latest new reviews and news and video. This is written down, you think I'd know it by now. And uh, plus also, <laughs> why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. We've been on our holidays, I've got an excuse. I'm Phil Hinton, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. Yeah.